Step into the hidden corridors of the past with Hometown History, where every episode uncovers the untold stories and secrets nestled in the streets and alleys of our own backyards. We bring history to life, revealing the extraordinary in the ordinary, from local legends to forgotten tales that shape the communities we know today. Tune into Hometown History and embark on a journey through time, right from where you are. Soundsington Media! On a cloudy day, five men are in a cemetery just outside of Clendenin, West Virginia. A town of a few thousand people, Clendenin sits along the Elk River, and the men have a view of tall trees and a serene landscape as they work to dig a fresh grave. Their work is not happy work, but the wind isn't too cold, and there's only a couple of hours left in the workday. They can get through it. But then, one of the men pauses mid-shovel, gesturing wildly towards the tree line. All of the men stop working, squinting towards where their friend is pointing. Above the trees, a silent figure is gracefully flapping away. It is roughly six feet long, humanoid with glowing red eyes and giant, powerful wings. It is November 12th, 1966, and after these men tell their story in town, some people will say that they just had the first known sighting of the Mothman. I'm Elise Parisian, and we'll be diving into the legend of the Mothman on today's episode of Unspookable. I assume it's probably a man that's a moth? I don't know what a moth man does. I've heard of it like a couple of times, but I'm not really sure what it is, but it has something to do with the supernatural. A moth man is the same size as a normal person, but he has wings and he can fly around. And if you see him in a certain spot, then... That's where something supernatural or bad can happen. Not long after that day in the cemetery, more people in the town surrounding Clendenin encountered the Mothman. Just a few days later, on November 15th, four people out for a drive near Point Pleasant, West Virginia, said their car was followed by a large flying man with 10-foot wings. The quiet country road where they were driving was almost pitch black, and the headlights of their car picked up the creature's glowing red eyes. They turned the car around, only to have it follow behind them a little ways before disappearing into the night. Some people believed that the Mothman was seen in this area in particular because it had been an industrial site during World War II. Ammunition and explosives were made in the factories there, leading locals to call it the TNT area. As sightings of the Mothman gained more traction as important local news, people speculated that the creature was created in an explosion or a factory accident, or was the result of lingering chemicals on the land. Over the next year, people reported sightings of the Mothman all over the state, with one resident even claiming that the Mothman carried away his German Shepherd. While descriptions varied from person to person, most said that the creature had the body and features of a man but with giant wings coming out of his back. 
Instead of being long and feathered like some kind of bird, they were wide down his back, and more transparent or translucent in the light, like those of a butterfly or a moth. Some even described them as more leathery or pointy like bat's wings. The creature's eyes were rounded and protruding like an insect's and glowed red. Some descriptions said Mothman was dark or neutrally colored like common species of moths. But some said he was gray and more like a humanoid alien with wings than an insect. Rumors of Mothman's connection to UFOs, secret government projects, and other conspiracies spread freely. Then, on December 15, 1967, the Silver Bridge collapsed during rush hour, and 46 people died. Two of the victims were never found. The Silver Bridge connects Point Pleasant, West Virginia, with Gallipolis, Ohio, and was in the exact region where Mothman was frequently seen. People familiar with the sighting said there was a connection. Maybe Mothman was some sort of bad omen, a warning to people of the area. Or maybe he was the reason for the bridge collapse. Investigators soon found that the bridge had been poorly maintained and was not built to carry the weight of many cars and people at once. But nonetheless, the speculation about Mothman's connection to Silver Bridge remained. And honestly, that may have been the end of the story if it weren't for a man named John Keel. Keel was born in 1930 in a small town in New York, and he spent most of his childhood fascinated by magic and science. He published his first short story in a magician's magazine at age 12. He left high school when he was only 16, but his skill as a freelance writer got him jobs at TV and radio stations and newspapers, writing fiction as well as local journalism. In the early 1950s, he served in the U.S. Army in Germany during the Korean War, afterwards traveling to France, Italy, Egypt, and India. His world travel solidified his deep fascination with the supernatural and the occult, and in 1957, he published a book called Jadu, investigating topics as wide-ranging as Indian rope magic and the Egyptian version of the Yeti. He began contributing articles to the Flying Saucer Review, where ufologists tracked sightings and shared information. Keel popularized the term men in black to describe agents tasked with UFO investigations and cover-ups. Some of us might recognize that phrase from the popular movie franchise that started in the 1990s. In Men in Black, Will Smith is selected to be an agent in the organization that keeps aliens unknown to humans, and he ends up saving the world in the process. This was the type of world that Keel believed in. In 1975, Keel published the book The Mothman Prophecies detailing his research on the West Virginia incidents of 1966 and 67, the connection to UFOs, and the Silver Bridge collapse. Keel claimed that during his research for the book, he received mysterious, threatening phone calls, adding to the intrigue around his work. He referred to Mothman and other potentially alien beings as ultra-terrestrials. The book sparked a new interest in Mothman, and was even popular enough to lead to a movie adaptation in 2002. It's important to note that Keel had a very active imagination. Many of his explanations of mysterious events and sightings, like Mothman, were based on rumors and research that he claimed was factual, but he had no way of proving. 
Like many American occultists, Keel often sought to make his writing more interesting by adding foreign or exotic elements to it. We've mentioned on Unspookable before how sensationalizing someone else's culture to attract attention and interest is often harmful and can lead to stereotyping and prejudiced views of certain people based on their home country, their skin color, their beliefs, or other aspects of their culture. Keel's work, like many others, can be thrilling, fun, strange, and exciting. Some people still consider him a ufologist who was reporting fact, not fiction. But it's important that we read them with our minds open to the fact that the way he describes certain people and events may be unfair and untrue. So while it's true that some of Keel's work is problematic, he did kind of rescue the legend of the Mothman from disappearing altogether. In 2002, Pleasant Point, West Virginia held its first annual Mothman Festival. There's a 12-foot metallic statue of Mothman in the center of town, and a museum on Main Street dedicated to memorabilia, collections of first-hand accounts of sightings, and research about the origins of Mothman. Lots of locals take a certain pride in this mysterious figure, making it more of a fun thing to share stories about with tourists than a conspiracy. So, how did Mothman, local legend of Point Pleasant, make his way to Chicago, Illinois in 2011? We'll dig into that after this. People make up local legends if they see something that they're not sure if it's something. Like, one time in my lake, there was a big fish, and so we tried looking stuff up and nothing came up, and since nothing came up, we tried to make a story with it to try and cope with our fear. And some people may just be lonely or bored and they need to make friends, so they would tell stories to make friends, and then once they make friends, the friends tell their friends, and then it could spread throughout either a whole town or a whole city, and that's what makes it a local legend. At first, I thought it was a bird, but none I'd seen before, because it was just so huge. And the way it was flapping its wings, the longer I watched it, it was like, what is that thing? It was freaky. This is the eyewitness account of Jeff, who believes he saw the Mothman in the Fulton Market area of Chicago, Illinois, on October 26th, 2017. And Jeff's sighting wasn't the only one that year. Originally reported in 2011, the Chicago Mothman sightings peaked in 2017, with over 50 in a single year. So is it possible that the creature so many Chicagoans were seeing was the same creature that so many residents of West Virginia had seen all those years ago? Was Mothman no longer a fixture of the woods and countryside near small towns, but a big city dweller? The descriptions were so similar, it was hard not to draw connections between the two. Some people speculated that the Chicago Mothman was a descendant of the Point Pleasant Mothman, a member of a group of Midwestern moth people whose habitats were shrinking thanks to climate change, leading them to investigate cities. Some were quick to point out that Mothman was often a bad omen. Was he foretelling some disastrous event in Chicago with his appearance there? With new sightings of Mothman came new investigation into the origins of the legend. 
Of course, many of us want to believe in legendary beasts, or species that humans have not yet been able to study up close. It's possible that many such species exist. But let's just say for a moment that Mothman isn't really a giant humanoid with 10-foot wings. Well then, what the heck are people seeing? At the time of the West Virginia sightings, wildlife biologist Robert Smith at the University of West Virginia told reporters that the sightings could actually be of the Sandhill Crane, a large bird with red markings around its eyes, non-native to the area. Because people had never seen this bird before, they may have believed it to be not a bird at all, but a humanoid creature. Other explanations put forward by scientists include various species of displaced owls and other large raptors, or birds of prey. Beyond the possibility of Mothman being a misidentified bird, as of the 2017 Chicago sightings, new technology meant that the flapping wings Jeff saw could even be part of a drone or other flying machine. Or what about something as simple, and yeah, unexciting, as a large plastic bag? Or a balloon? Or a piece of fabric? Can you think of anything else the Mothman could be? Maybe there is an explanation that isn't supernatural. But then, what about the sightings beyond Mothman, of other flying humanoids? In 1976, in Cornwall, United Kingdom, two sisters were confronted by a large, bird-like man, dubbed the Owlman soon after. Sightings of Owlman continued for the next few years. On the Tanzanian island of Pemba, locals tell of the Popobawa, or Batwing in Swahili, a shape-shifting spirit that often flies and casts a dark-winged shadow over the ground. Sightings of Popobawa reached a peak in 1995 and even spread throughout Tanzania and into other countries in Africa. The first sightings of Spring-Heeled Jack took place in 1837 in Great Britain. Spring-Heeled Jack is described as having clawed hands and eyes that resembled red balls of fire. People believed he was humanoid, but also more devil-like than human, sometimes having demon-like wings. Beyond the humanoid, creatures like the Jersey Devil of southern New Jersey and Philadelphia, a biped with hooves, leathery wings, and a forked tail, have versions as unique as the regions from which they come. Could mistaken bird sightings really explain all these variants of mysterious winged monsters? In an earlier episode of this season, Unspookable looked into the origins of dragons. One of the things we know about earlier humans, and possibly modern ones too, is that predators like giant birds of prey were real sources of fear, and may have led to humans imagining even more fierce creatures with the ability to fly, like dragons. There's something about having to look up to understand a threat. When we aren't able to fly ourselves, that makes winged monsters especially terrifying. Are these local legends the result of that same fear? Perhaps. But let's think about what makes a local legend uniquely local in just a moment. Hi, Elise here. And this week, we are excited to give you a listen to the latest from Soundsington Media, Reach, a space podcast for kids. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Can animals survive in space? Where do astronauts go to the bathroom? 
Is Pluto a planet? Is the moon really made of cheese? Hi, I'm Brian Holden. And I'm Meredith Stepien. And we're going to answer all of these questions and more on our brand new show, Reach, a space podcast for kids. Built for kids and based on questions from kids, Reach will feature fun interviews and stories, as well as experiments you can do at home in association with experts and thought partners from leading institutions like the Adler Planetarium and many, many more. The first season of Reach begins June 16th, 2020. Make sure you subscribe to Reach, a space podcast for kids, now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Take a moment to list some details about where you live. What is the structure itself like? And where is it located? Is there land around it or mostly city pavement and sidewalks? Are there lots of people nearby? What about animals? Are there woods? Desert? Water? Are there landmarks or monuments that are unique to your area? How much of what is around where you live do you really pay attention to on a given day? The human brain is constantly taking in and sorting information from our environments. At any given moment, our senses are absorbing far more data than we can actually consciously think about. Your brain is made to bring what it considers the most relevant information to the top of the list for processing, mostly to keep us safe. If you're out for a walk and you've stopped to wave to a friend or admire a garden, but then you see a fast-moving object out of the corner of your eye, your brain instinctually says, pay attention to that, it may be dangerous. It will immediately prioritize the object over the friend or the flower. This is part of how our imaginations are formed. Whether we know it or not, tons of that information is stored away without ever coming to the forefront of our minds but it can be pulled up at a moment's notice in specific circumstances. Why did those men in that cemetery in 1966 describe the Mothman the way they did? It's very possible that in seeing a flying thing that they couldn't make out, they filled in details with both lived experience and instinct, a more concrete manifestation of the infinite details that they absorbed about other humans, animals, and their environment over the course of their lives. Many brain scientists would agree that these men may have identified the creature as humanoid because, when in doubt, our brains do a lot to convince us to identify even unhuman things as potentially human to help us look for threats. Have you heard of something called confirmation bias? It's a kind of a fancy way of saying you're more likely to use things you already believe to explain new information. For those of us that want to believe, or do believe in monsters, supernatural creatures, or aliens, a sighting of something that we can't quite make out could make us want to confirm that belief we already had. So we see something in the distance, and instead of our brains affirming, oh, that's probably a bird species I've never seen before, our previous reading about the Mothman could make us think, yes, that's what I saw, I'm sure of it. The human brain is a tricky place. Sometimes a matter of seeing what we want to see doesn't mean we are exaggerating or ignoring the truth. It means what's true to us is just that, true. Perhaps even when faced with opposing information. So all of this doesn't mean that these sightings of Mothman or any other local legend 
aren't really happening. It just means that depending on who we are and where we are and what's going on in our lives, different people might interpret the same sighting as completely different things. The next time you're out in the woods or on your block or in the basement of your apartment building, think about what kind of mysterious creature could be native to where you live. What features could they have that would help them thrive there? And then who knows? After thinking about your very own local legend, you might just spot one. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Eleanor Riley Condit, produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewen, with episode artwork by Brianna Jacoby. Special thanks this week to our guests Blythe, Olivia, and Al. If you enjoy the show, make sure to tell your friends. You can leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice, or share an episode on social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Unspookable on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us for a peek behind the scenes and for updates on the show. Unspookable is part of the Soundlington Audio Network, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundlingtonmedia.com. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.